0: Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success.
1: This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard.
0: 10 days is the optimal time to bring an interview process to a successful outcome. The way to achieve this is to tighten timelines from stage to stage and cut down the number of people involved in the process. Now I know what you're thinking, that more people should be involved, which is incorrect. The reason why we involve more people in the interview process is because we value their opinion or input on the individual. But opinion has no value when it comes to making a hiring decision. An opinion is what you get when your interview questions are not tied to gathering evidence. Opinion breeds assumptions, bias, and personal motives, which do not serve the growth of the business. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights From top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Nick Livingston. Nick is the co-founder and CEO of Honit Software. Nick is formerly the head of recruiting at Tube Mobile, and him and his team scaled the company from 60 to 360 employees through a successful IPO in just 26 months. In the same two years, he attended business school at UC Berkeley, started a family, has three daughters co-founded Honit Software, which is an all-in-one interview platform designed by recruiters to schedule, record, transcribe, search, and share interview answers for quick collaboration and higher quality hiring, which is what makes Nick the perfect expert for today's topic. Nick, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today.
1: Thanks, Rick. Happy to be here.
0: Pleasure to have you, my friend. We're going to cover a couple of things. And we're going to talk about, first off, why anything more than three interviews is too much. That's my opinion. You can share your opinion as well. And then how to interview and hire in three
1: meetings. Sound like a plan? I love it. Yeah, it's an audacious goal, right? It almost sounds unbelievable.
0: Let's get into a little bit about some of the challenges today that you're seeing from the perspective of hiring. I think when we had a conversation, you had shared with me that you've got some companies that want to bring eight, 10 people into an interview process. What's wrong with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, in today's market, especially, right, candidate-driven market, it's hot. Candidates have options. That's always been the case. We've always felt that kind of the the interview and hiring process is a two-way conversation, right? Candidates are interviewing you. Well, when there are more jobs than active candidates, which is definitely the case today candidates have options and if you're going to ask if you need them to meet 8 to 10 people in your organization to feel comfortable to make a decision they're going to take a job at your competitor right they're going to they're going to say this is how the company operates this is too much red tape i'm not going to be able to get anything done i think your interview and hiring experience is a perfect peek into how business gets done it's not efficient if it doesn't make sense if it's redundant if you have people on the phone or doing video calls who don't know what they're talking about asking the same questions that's a bad candidate experience wait you mean you should be asking the same questions from four different people <laughs> oh my gosh! well most companies wouldn't even know if that's happening right because th- they don't we're not capturing interview information or content right so we we don't know what happens in interviews that's a big question that i
0: always pose is that two people walk into a room for an interview what happens next nobody knows Nobody knows what goes on in that interaction most of the time. And what happens is that decision usually is made by the interviewer within 5 to 10 minutes. And then the rest of the whole 45 minutes to an hour is consumed by digging holes and poking reasons why or why not to hire the person.
1: Yeah, the best case scenario, you get some typed notes that are that person's interpretation or their explanation of what someone said about a topic. Yeah, it's always an interpretation, though. That's the problem. Yeah, it's an interpretation, right? And then the the worst case scenario, you get a a thumbs up or a thumbs down and says, not a fit. And you're like, wait a minute, you just invested 45 minutes of the business's time and money to talk to this person. And the output is... I think the worst case scenario is when they come out of the interview and they're like,
0: "Uh, I don't really know. Well, maybe we talked to some more candidates or they spent 45 minutes of three out of five stars right in the middle. <laughs> Let's not go either way. I'm gonna hedge my bets and just exactly. Well, that's if you're using the scorecards and, and those are completely subjective. I mean, I don't know what transpired. And yes, you trust your people to make the right decisions. But at the same time, can they really be trusted when there's no North star or anything that keeps them headed in the right direction?
1: It's true. I, you know, I, I went in, I joined an early stage startup uh, in Emeryville, California, you know, outside of San Francisco. So location was a disadvantage. The we were building ad technology, which was fascinating, but it was complex and hard to explain and things like that. Um, So kind of everything was stacked against us, but it was interesting because, you know, when I joined, you know, the founders were doing the first interviews, right? Like at an early-stage company, it's the founder, the co-founders who are t- having that first call. They know what they're looking for. They know the, the 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 culture and core values that they're that they're going for. But as a company scales, you start hiring managers and directors and VPs and and the C-suite, and you know maybe your best brightest uh, interviewers are pushed to the end of the process, right? And we kind of experienced this firsthand where. you you start hiring recruiters to take the first call, you start hiring mid-level managers to be the interviewers. Maybe they don't have any experience in that. And then, you know, it was interesting, you get to Brett and John, who were amazing interviewers and knew it when they heard it, but we'd already spent four hours talking to Candice before they could quickly say, you know, not a fit, right? And it had us kind of think about all this time and effort that goes into the interview process. I mean, some companies it looks and feels like an enterprise sales cycle.
0: Enterprise sales, at least you're going deep and you're understanding the problems first before you provide the solution. I've always felt that recruiting, most recruiting processes are completely transactional where, okay, it's good that you had founders that you worked with that knew how to interview. I've had founders that have walked out of meetings and said, yeah, let's just hire them. We talked about baseball for 45 minutes and we have a lot in common. That's the worst reason to hire somebody though.
1: Yeah. And you don't know what's happening. I mean, we, even at TubeMogul, our team kind of put together this, you know, it came from Brett said we want to get everybody trained on interviewing, right? We, We put together a manual, every, every hiring manager interview panelists had to participate, which I think was great came from the top. So everybody did it. But then even then, you know, you still don't have any visibility or accountability into what's happening during all of these hours and hours and hours and hours of interview conversations. Right. And it's like, you don't know, um, are we asking the right questions about core values? Are we asking the right technical questions for any given role? are we are we able to ask strategic interview questions at the first step of the process to understand someone's knowledge of the industry? And you know it's like, are they asking bad questions? Are they asking illegal questions, right? Are they asking about race or religion on the first phone screen? We don't know, right? But wouldn't it be great if we did we could either catch bad actors or correct and train interviewers?
0: Well, it's a good thing you have an answer for that.
1: All right, you're listening to The Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard And for our
0: podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find a link to healing career wounds. Let it be your company's secret weapon to landing the strongest talent. Our guest today is Nick Livingston, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Hone It. And we're talking about the interview process right now and, and how to hone it down into smaller segments or a much more effective process so that you're not wasting a whole bunch of time and in getting into the, the process and being like, meh, I don't know. Yes or no is great because you have an answer, but I don't know. Keep people in limbo. That kills candidate experience.
1: Yeah. And then, and that's where it gets wishy-washy and we, we can't respond to a candidate because we aren't sure what the decision is, right? That's where the black hole happens, right? And, and everybody talks about the black hole. It's just, it's from the you know, it's like give them a fast no, right? People appreciate a fast no. They can prioritize their job search and and focus on the three companies that are interested rather than waiting. It's timing. Timing is everything on both sides, right? The job seekers perspective and the, the companies. So let's talk about why this is
0: important to a company. Why should they have a process that kind of hones it down into, as I call it, three interviews or so?
1: You know, I think there's a lot of things to talk about here. Um, you know, we, the head of head of executive recruiting at, at Whole Foods Market, Andres uh, Traslavina, loves using Honit because it keeps the process fair and consistent, right? Like I just, structured interviews are fair, right? And, and I think we talk about, you know, if you don't have visibility or accountability or transparency into that, you don't know if interviews are structured and fair. So I think the first step is like, let's think about what questions we should be asking a candidate that might reflect core values across the company, right? We could ask a a junior marketing coordinator this question and understand if they reflect these competencies. We could ask a VP of sales the same question and hear maybe a different answer, but also particularly figure out if they're right for this organization, right? Like, so thinking about just interview questions and interview content. I'm a huge believer that interview questions
0: should be fed to the interviewer let's cut out the ambiguity, let's cut out the margin of error, let's cut out the ability to sway my decision either way. If everybody's asking the same question at the same time, the same simple questions and delving deeper into those questions, then it provides, like you said, a fair interview. But number two, you're also getting tons of evidence to support whether or not that person should be hired.
1: I mean, I think, I think step one to try to simplify or improve the process is just to start to think of interviews as business conversations, right? We can look at support calls that have been recorded for decades. Why quality control training, better customer experience, right? On the support side of things. You can look at sales calls over the last five to 10 years, companies are recording sales calls. Why? Because they can share interesting anecdotes and tips and raise the ship, right? Everybody can do a better sales job and make more money and and win, right? Nick, that was a really smooth
0: segue into how we do it. So this, (laughs) I love it. So now we're going to talk about how to solve the problem. You just brought up interview conversations as business intelligence. What does that mean exactly?
1: I mean, when you ask somebody a question, there's usually a good versus great answer behind that question. What are we doing with the answers? Right? So, I mean, I think just interview content, it's where companies learn about other interesting things that competitors are doing right if you hire a marketing manager from the competition and you ask them hey tell me about a time you solved an interesting problem or a creative marketing campaign they're going to give you really a really great answer well or they will give you a really bad answer but or what a bad there, answer. Yeah, yeah. but either way that you could call that business intelligence
0: i think with behavioral interview questions you can certainly dig underneath the hood and really test people's answers and really get down to the nitty-gritty of really what happened some people you see the inconsistencies pop out. That's really what the interview is about—is to understand: Is this person who's across the desk? Do they really do what they're
1: telling me they do, or is it just at a surface level?
0: That's super important. Exactly.
1: I think it's most. Tra- I think that's that that challenge is most visible at the top of the funnel. Let's call it a recruiter phone screen, right? Where you put some person into the flow who hasn't been a QA automation engineer, or hasn't been a web web analytics manager, or hasn't been a cost accountant. And we're putting them at the front of the process to ask questions about cost accounting or marketing analytics or QA automation, right? And and they're the middle person between what a hiring manager is looking for and what a candidate's seeking. And just there's this inherent misinterpretation and miscommunication that goes both directions, right? Hiring manager explains a job to a recruiter who then tries to explain that need or opportunity to a candidate same thing candidate explains some answer to a recruiter who hears it then tries to share notes or what the candidate said back to the hiring manager and and there's just this it's it's most glaring there when you think about putting people in the process who may not be marketing practitioners right so i'm going to say something totally
0: wildly unpopular I think doing these technical phone screens in the very beginning after the recruiter talks to the person are just a big waste of time. They don't really gather any data to support anything, but I think the recruiter can gather that data more impactfully for the hiring manager, so it could just move straight to an interview process. As a recruiter, if I can gather data to support, this person is the person who built X, Y, and Z. And their portion of that product was they identified this, that, and the other thing. And then they walked me through the complete steps of how they built something or how they completed a really hard project or how they gained recognition from the company. Those are the things that are most impactful that can skip all that. get you to a point where you don't have to deal with it. Yeah,
1: I think so. I think so. And I, I think you can kind of, we can kind of compartmentalize, let's say recent computer science graduates, right? Like... Okay, maybe you want to send them a coding test or or tech them out. But again, if you're talking to about senior engineers or architects or engineering managers, like giving them a coding test that that a, a recent college grad or a boot camp JavaScript you know graduate could could complete isn't probably the right thing to do, right? Well, I found that senior people can't complete them because they haven't done that. It's fresh right. out of school. It's boot camp. Yeah, my co- that's kind of where Honet came from originally. My co-founders are both awesome technical engineers. And they were asking, why is this recruiter asking me to rate myself on Java from 1 to 10? Or (laughs) what? Because we don't know what else to ask. So I, I think you're right. And I think that's what we're excited to see. You know, we're starting to see recruiters on the first phone call, ask the two key core value questions, three or four technical questions. And I use the term technical loosely, right? But I mean, could be a marketing framework question. It could be about... How did you solve this problem in finance, right? But they're able to ask now these like in-depth rec-specific questions and share those insights, right? Like, like let's, let's go a little deeper, right? To recap on the interview structure, we have core values,
0: questions, questions related to the need, the skills, whatever they're looking for, then a good answer versus a great answer. Or yeah, I think
1: just the idea of the, the interviews as content, right? There's questions, there's answers, there's insights that that we ha- historically haven't really captured or shared. And I think it's really important to point out here is that you
0: don't want to based on opinion how you interpreted the answer. It should be more factual.
1: It has to be. Factional. I think that's where bias. I think that's where bias actually comes from. Bias isn't what the candidate said, right? Bias is I heard something. I'm going to make a snap judgment based on my limited knowledge of subject matter x and then type a sentence to someone else explaining like it's that it's that communication piece that's the where the bias kicks in right if you can remove that person's opinion from the process we can essentially remove
0: and you know where this is really detrimental to a company that i've seen is when you have a person in the interview process who's probably not their top performer maybe a b or a c player they interview an A player because they're trying to protect their position. They make a jump assumption and they automatically revert to, this is not a person we need to hire. So rather than elevating themselves,
1: we're going the other way. So what's after interview structure? I think that's when we get to this idea of interview data, right? If we we capture all the great insights from a conversation, uh, we can slice and dice it, we can search it, and we can share it, right? So this idea that, interviews our content or interview data, I think is where we kind of go next. And then that, when we start to think of, you know, sharing someone's answers, again, nobody wants to listen to the entire interview. Like we we've seen that at time to time. And I've actually was talking to someone who, you know, worked at Google a long time ago, and it sounds like they piloted this where they recorded a 45 minute interview and shared that 45 minute interview with someone else and, you know, Amazingly, they didn't want to listen to a 45 minute interview that someone else conducted. Can you believe (laughs) that? Nobody would want to do that, right? Same same thing we hear sometimes is like, oh, I'm going to share the transcript of a 45 minute interview for someone else to read. And I said, that's even worse. Who wants to read a 45 minute transcript of another interview? Especially with all the
0: ums and you knows and ahas and. All the fluff words. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: just so, so the idea is like, how do we turn, a how do we parse down an interview into just kind of the the information that can be easily consumed and shared with someone else? And we like to think of that as interview collaboration, right? Collaboration is obviously a very popular business term, but we haven't been able to see that in terms of a recruiting interview experience because we haven't been capturing answers. Well, once you start to think of interviews as data, one person can ask the great question, another person can assess the great answer. And, and you know, we start to look at, do we need eight separate people having eight separate 45 minute conversations for eight people to be involved in the hiring process or interview experience? No, but I hope that
0: some companies continue that process. Startups, no, for sure. You yeah, do competitive not advantage if we don't
1: companies. do that. Let yeah. them continue doing exactly. that and putting three out of fives on their scorecard and, you
0: know, black holes. Yeah. Look at it. if you're a startup, it should be thumbs up, thumbs down. There's no reason for a scorecard. If you're a three out of five, you didn't gather enough evidence to support whether or not you can make a decision. Yes. Or yeah. And not. I
1: think as the more people you get involved with the interview experience, the less accountability the hiring manager has for the hire. Right. I think that's the other thing we quickly see. If the onus is on the hire to say yes or no, and I'm going to train this person and teach him and I see it and I, you know, you don't trust me, I'll prove it to you. That's what you want a hiring manager to do. You want them to take that person under their wing and train them and onboard them and get them up to speed to show people you're made a great hire. If you get seven or eight other people who say, yes, no, me, 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 you're going to one, lose interest in fighting for it. And two, even if you do hire it, it it's not going to be your hire, right? It's going to be decision by committee, right?
0: The key to this is recording the interview and then secondarily taking notes on the interview too, so that you can actually include those notes, with your assessment. You have an accountability that's inherent here because you're held to what the recording said. If somebody does listen to it and fact check you, they can find where the faults are. But knowing that you're recorded, you're gonna take better notes and you're gonna make sure that you're being, being less biased. You're being more objective as to whether or not this person can thrive and do well in the organization.
1: I, th- I think that's right. I think, I think the other angle that we haven't really talked about too is back to competitive talent market if you hear an amazing candidate who's active, right? When do we switch to selling versus assessing, right? Like, so we talked to a lot of recruiters in the San Francisco Bay Area. They talk to a great engineer. They're saying, how do we make an offer? How do we get our, our SVP of engineering on the phone with this software engineer, right? Instead of five extra steps, when can we bring in the big guns to start selling this candidate after one call, right? Instead of going to interview number six to have the SVP, you know, close them. Right. So I think this also becomes collaboration of like, you talk to a great candidate. How can we make sure that's clear? And that's that that's, you know, your most executive stakeholders might be willing to jump in and and take a call. That's the discovery
0: call. I mean, that's where trust comes into play. You've got to have that relationship with the SVP or the VP to be able to say, hey, look, I've got a guy you need to talk to and you've got to trust me on this one. That's one of the biggest complaints I hear from recruiters is that I send somebody over and it's crickets for a few days. Then it's hurry up, and let's get this person in, jump through these hoops.
1: All these hurdles are put up to make it more difficult. It's CYA. It's built to cover your ass, right? Most of the interview experience is like the CYA process, right? Versus built for a great candidate, get them through faster, like let's accelerate offers. And that has a lot
0: to do with the recruiter setting the expectations for the hiring manager or the team hey, look, I'm not going to provide you 15 people to make one hire. I'm going to provide you two, maybe three, and you're going to make this hire. So that you're doing most of the filtering on your side, intelligent filtering, and then feeding off people that you know have a really good chance of getting hired.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, in a, in a perfect scenario, I imagine this amazing uh, cooperative or collaborative relationship between recruiter and hiring manager, where you can do two calls, a great phone screen and a great Expert phone interview with the hiring manager. Share some information with a couple of stakeholders, but make a decision, right? And we can can get this down to two or three interviews, right? Most definitely. We
0: do it all the time with a lot of our clients. We've got the discovery call and then three interviews and done. Usually... The person who makes it through those three interviews, and they're done pretty quickly, they're 45 minutes. With the exception of a working session, which is the skills assessment, we make that a little bit longer, it's usually about two hours. Taking those two and just breaking them down, when you get to the third person, you're already prepping for the person for the offer. Yeah, and the person saying I want to work here because I see the value
1: in working here. Two or three calls—that's down to a, a week. I mean, you can make an offer in a week, right? Like, let's... but you gotta want to give yourself a little time. So, say ten days, two weeks. I like I like how you, you give a little cushion—ten business days. You have to have a little cushion. Sometimes it's hard to schedule people. Yeah, just availability. Yeah, but again, when you start to simplify the number of eight people, it's like a lot of these tools we're seeing. It's like, oh, I need to schedule eight people. You know, I need a tool to help me schedule and arrange a calendar for like eight or nine people. You're like. Ugh, like that's ridiculous. It's like called building the technology for a problem around a problem. Nick, we're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience so they can plug into their business today? I would say start to think of interviews as business conversations, take them serious, right? And start to recognize that, that interviews have our content, right? And, and if you start to think of it as content, you can start to think, wow, I could search it. I could share it. I could analyze it. So just interviews or business conversations. The other thing I, I think we're excited about is the idea, interview collaboration, right? Uh, if a quick and efficient process doesn't require this series interview experience that we've seen for decades, right? A series of conversations. It could be one great call, share some highlights with the team to make a faster decision together. So this idea of interview collaboration would probably be the top two.
0: Nick, thanks so much for your time and investment today. And I want to welcome you back again to the Higher Power Radio community. I think the last time you did a show was like four years ago. So it's been a while. What would be the best way in which members of the audience can find Honit, find you, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, uh, honit.com, H-O-N-E-I-T.com. You know, I'm at nick at honit.com. We offer free trials. Uh, it's a really powerful tool, combines scheduling, recording, transcription, and the ability to share interview insights. With your team. And I will
0: vouch for it. We use it as well. And as a matter of fact, we have a lot of our clients that are running it. So I love what you guys are doing. So I want to thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this shows for you. So we want to continue to be able to bring valuable content every week. You can join the higher power radio community at higher h I R E Power P-O-W-E-R-Radio R A D or you can drop me an email at at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next week. We're gonna break down the discovery call. So I've had a lot of requests on how to break down the discovery call. And this is the one thing you can change right now to solve the problem for ghosted interviews. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha.
1: Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon, or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard.